I hope you have your Bibles. And I know that there is some thematic constraints uh, on every pulpit today. However, I do know that the Lord spoke to me and I'm so grateful for his voice in my life. And there is a purpose to the word and there is a, a cause for the kingdom of God. My only desire, perhaps concern, is that the word will be a seed and it will find fertile soil in your life. I need the word in my life. And I think I can accurately say that all of us need it. The pressing of our days reaches far beyond a holiday season. And maybe you won't know this well, but hopefully you do. That the preached word, the spoken word of God, the designed word of the Lord was meant for us. We need it more than our necessary food. If you could just think about that, just the word. It's sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. It changes my life. Man will not live by bread alone, but by every word of God that proceeds. It is it is critical for us. So I'll read um, the familiar line of the words of the archangel Gabriel. Just one verse in your hearing today from Luke chapter 2. Next Sunday at 1030, there is a service here. It's a very traditional service. And um, we'll sing all the traditional songs you can wear. Um, you can put on the same. You can win again. <laughs> or you can have competition. And um, some of you have already made plans and that's fine. I just didn't want to pass by. Uh, the weekend, and I felt like it was important for us to honor um, in maybe a more descriptive way. This is verse 10 of Luke 2. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I have some good news to share with you. Amen. Amen. I'm sharing a burden today and a, and a great joy. The duality of such um, is hard to measure out. But I do pray for all those that hear the word and receive it. Amen. I'd like to speak today on this subject Karen Carpenter's Last Christmas. Amen. You may be seated. Merry Christmas. 
Karen Carpenter died February the 4th, 1983. In truth, Karen Carpenter was an excellent musician. She was a very precise drummer long before the days of a click track. Our musicians know um, the proper rhythm because in their headphones or in their their earpieces they have a a track that keeps them steady but Karen Carpenter was um, very precise her studio sessions would prove um, not only the the skill of her drumming capability but also the steadiness of her hands. Her brother is Richard, and to his credit, he was able to move her from behind the drums to the front of the stage, though she said that she would have always preferred to be playing, hidden, doing something with her hands. Richard and Karen made up their group they simply called the Carpenters. In their 15-year spotlight, the span of that, they sold a little over 100 million records. They had 17 top 20 hits, 10 gold singles, 9 albums, 1 multi-platinum album. And they won 3 Grammy Awards in the middle of so many other great artists and composers. In their time, they were the antithesis to every popular loud rock music band that held dominance in America. That was a tall task. The Carpenters held their own with a different kind of sound. While more traditional rock music was being recorded and then, and then the invention of, of healthy, heavy metal um, found its own niche, Karen Carpenter's perfect pitch voice offered a peaceful place in between the paws of all the other sounds. So many years ago, I was in a voice training session where the instructor was teaching about voice projection. Um, the instructor pointed out um, how that singers often just open up their, their range and too often and too soon in the song. Um, she said it would be like driving a car in fifth gear the whole time without any slowdowns or uh, any breaks, that all or nothing, or as she would put it, all out or nothing. The instructor spoke of control. She taught about tone and managing vibrato and how to blend with other singers. And she talked about the need for soloist um, and, and perhaps even uh, the need for the absence of soloist. And makes me think of Karen Carpenter's velvet voice, effortlessly offering a single word without a struggle. 
We've all heard her songs. We hear them every Christmas. They are given with a purity unmatched by the modern performer. Ultimate control. Effortless projection. Of all the secular singers, I can only think of four others who might stand next to her in tone and quality. I won't name them today. They don't need pro tools to bend their pitch. Flatten what is sharp or sharpen what is obviously very flat. She didn't need that. Even still, she would have rather just been a drummer. But she relied on her brother's guidance, always following Richard's lead. And they did well because of it. He was the brilliant one, beyond the telling. Long before the likes of Jacob Collier, who's masterfully skilled the art of layering, and all those that would employ computer helps, Richard was the first studio engineer which used layering, which just, it's an, he used the wide analog tape. He started layering their voices, and they would sing the song, and then go back to sing the same song, and and all of a sudden, they would eat up all the tracks with their own voices. And they sang, and then they went back and laid down another course that was layering. He was the first one to do it. It, it caused a stir in the, in the recording industry. Everyone wanted to follow that. How can you make two people sound like a choir? Richard revolutionized the effect of making a large sound with minimal voices. His singing and songwriting, all the arranging, the brilliance of him, producing, managing, and all that entailed. It became the standard that's used without knowledge of where it came from even today. But Karen, no doubt, she was the voice. And Richard knew that their careers and record sales and all that would be hinged on her sound, her velvet. Their names were large at the time, and while audiences embraced their music... Critics would often pick away at whatever they could find, just as they do today. Unfortunately, Karen was given to reading the columns of the critics and what they said about her. As minimal as this may sound, one man wrote of Karen Carpenter. He described her as Richard's chubby little sister. Every picture that we've ever seen never depicted her. In that way. She was never overweight. Even if she had been. It wouldn't have mattered. But that report. The news of her weight. Even though it was a lie. It lodged in her mind. She began to see herself. Through the lens of the news. And it drove her. To extreme dieting. She was trying to prove. Someone wrong. Even though she didn't even know. The person in which she was embattled. Never met him. Only read his words. Just a commentary, a report, some news written, spoken. It trapped her in a place that she should never have been. Chubby. That was the knife. A small word, one word. News of her. A commentary about her. A comment designed just perfectly cruel enough to displace her. Karen's weight and her obsession with it began that day, and the diets did not bring her comfort. Eventually, she became anorexic. The proper medical term is called anorexia nervosa. 
In the last few years of Karen's life, her health plummeted. Finally, she woke up in the fall of 82 to see the mirror and her frail condition. She saw what one word had brought her to. She spent the last few months through Christmas trying to recover what she had lost. Her songs were on the radio, but her voice was weak and frail. She could hear herself sing because it was recorded, but there was so little joy in her own ears. The damage done to her heart, her physical heart, her internal organs was so great, far too great to overcome. She was just 32 years old when she died. Her last Christmas was spent trying to recover what the news, a report, a single word had stolen from her. News has a way of, of doing things. It can do something like nothing else. Solomon once wrote this. He said, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. The worth of it can hardly be measured. A word fitly spoken. The right word at the right time. It's so beautiful. It's so powerful. It has such worth, definity, greatness. It's like an apple made out of pure gold. Sitting in a pure tray of silver. The angel told Mary that the birth of the Messiah was soon to come. The king. It was good news to her. It was news of the redemption of mankind. But to Herod, the king at the time, the news of a coming Christ was a threat. For him, the coming Jesus meant displacement and rejection. He thought it would be a coup. News, ladies and gentlemen, whatever it is, will get into your system. It feeds on your mind. Gideon was a man in the Old Testament the Lord commissioned him for a battle. Maybe you're not familiar with the story, but there was a great enemy against Israel. And Gideon was sent to fight the battle with just 300 men. We read that on the enemy's side, one of the men in the enemy's camp had a dream. He said, and I quote in Judges 7.13, he had a dream. He said, behold, I dreamed a dream. He was telling all of his friends. He said, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbling into the host of Midian. It came into a tent and smote all that, that, that saw it, it overturned everything. The tent was just sprawled out. And his comrades in arms said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. For into his hand hath God delivered us and all of our friends. They interpreted their own dream. Fear became an infection even though they outnumbered Gideon's army by insurmountable odds. The news, the tumbling barley bread lodged in their minds. It set them all on edge. And when Gideon that night had his 300 men blow a trumpet, let out a shout, break their jars of hardened clay, revealing a torch of fire, the Midianites and the Amalekites got up. Though they were great in number, they woke up and they slaughtered and killed each other. Because news, whether right or wrong, whether true or a lie, has the ability to alter the course of all of our lives. It can win the battle even before the battle begins. It can direct us and make our path straight. Or it can cloud our minds and make the future uncertain. And if we receive the wrong report, 
It caused us to wander in a wilderness place for a very long time. Of the 12 tribes that went out to spy the land of Canaan, 10 said, we are weak, and 2 said, we are strong. But the greater news prevailed, and the sand and dry dust became their 40-year prison sentence. The news. Let me tell you what I've heard. I've received some good news. I've got some good news. It's wonderful. The good news saves my life. The right report gives me hope. The right response gives me direction. But the lie corrupts my, my mind. The writer penned, I have turned my ear toward the sound of his voice. It kept my heart from fear. So I suppose today, we need to ask ourselves a few questions. What are we hearing? Who are we listening to? What is the news worthy of our calling and our election? Because not all reports are the same and not all voices belong in our lives. It doesn't take me but about five seconds to know when I greet someone or talk to someone. I know I don't want to hear anything from them. They'll hurt me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a big lie. I would rather you beat me. Please throw a stick or a stone at me, but don't say something. Because the outward bruise can heal, but the word sinks deep into my consciousness. It messes with my mind. People today are struggling. Children grow up, they're struggling. Men are still dealing with the lack of affirmation. Young girls become women and mothers and grandmothers still dealing with words that were spoken that damage the mind and the heart and redirect everything. And we've got the best news that the world has ever known. We've got news that, that will save the whole world. Yes, 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 right. Some of that reporting will cause damage and some will set us free. And some reports, they're just opinions. Wrong words from hateful people. They become poison to our soul. Let me just tell you, commentaries are endless. They're endless. That's the American way. Because our amendment of freedom of speech has worked violently against us. Freedom of speech has been our undoing. Because freedom of speech today comes with no constraint and no filter. One word from Jezebel caused a mighty prophet to hide in a cave. He just called fire down from heaven. But when he heard one word that he would die in 24 hour period of time, he ran for his life. And you're no different. So you've got to guard what you hear and who you're around. Because Christmas doesn't have to bring anxiety and depression and fear and doubt. But if you will let everything come into your mind and your heart, you'll doubt that anyone loves you. You'll think, you'll think something that's a lie becomes true. They'll say, you're chubby. Well, let's not go down that road. I know. Oh. I know. 
but put in the wrong place, the bad news will consume the good news until the good news doesn't have any effect. It began as impossible words. These are impossible. You're going to have a baby. The angel said, you're going to have a child. You'll be overshadowed with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And Mary's response was not one of doubt. She just replied to the word she heard. And this is what she said. Be it unto me according to thy word. I'll just receive that every day of the week. You said the word and I received it. You see, ladies and gentlemen, when the Lord speaks to you, your response ought not to be, I don't know how this is going to happen. Don't say, I'm not sure. Don't say it's never happened to anyone before. You just say, be it unto me according to your word. Let out, I'll receive that word. That's the word I'm looking for. Now, the Jewish scholars say this. Not the modern Jewish scholar, because they're absence of this. They're absent. But the old Hebrew scholars that really believed, because there was always a trail. There was always a trail. There was always one line of glimmer among those people that did believe for a long time. Jerusalem was filled with believers. They all believed that Jesus was the Messiah. That long trail still lasted. And the old, old Hebrew scholars said that they believed that the moment of her conception began, the moment she said, be it unto me, and then she was found with child. Could it be that when you receive the right word, God will produce something in you that no one else can produce. And could it be that the wrong word will start you on a path that will destroy your very existence? It will mess you up. It will damage your life. Listen, we've been inundated with all kinds of mechanisms and marketing and tools that say you deserve this and you need this. And people have bought things they cannot afford with, people they do, with money they don't have to impress people they don't like and they don't know. That's right. And so what do we do? People drown in debt come January and February. They can't pay their bills. That's right. I want to just stand up and give you some good news. God is enough. The Lord is enough. If you get nothing else but the love of God, you've got everything. Everything else is going to waste away, but Jesus will never waste away. Amen. That was the great news. It turned the world upside down. 2,000 years later, I suppose every Christian church and pulpit will couch themselves in the fact that Jesus Christ was born. And from that one word came the commission to spread it because good news needs help, ladies and gentlemen. Bad news sells. Good news needs help. If this church would be filled with new people and, and people that need the Lord, it's because you said something. Did you notice we don't even have a church sign so if you tell someone you go to New Life Fellowship, you better be very specific where it is because there's no sign declaring who we are. I don't know. That might be a good thing. Yes, we'll get a sign. We'll get a sign. Someday. You are the sign. We could get a digital billboard. I'm not going to get that because we've already done the research. The font size, the speed of the cars. It wouldn't work here. But you're the sign. You're the epistle read of all men. You are the walking billboard of the goodness of God. And out of your mouth, you ought to be talking about the goodness of the Holy Ghost and how he gave you the greatest gift ever known to mankind. 
This is what the early church did. The early church did, they did not have internet. They did not have Facebook. They did not have Instagram. They did not have social media. They didn't have printed material. They had themselves and their word and their witness and their testimony. And I'm concerned that we get so caught up trying to promote something through mass media, we forgot that one word, one good word, one good news report, one testimony from you to them might make all the difference in their life. I know you probably don't think this is true, but those who do not like me, and there are some, I don't know why, they have an endless commentary my mistakes or theirs whichever they're quickly and commonly shared because that's just the way it is (laughs) and if you are a critic or a gossip you're not special you're in a long line of people if you'd like to exercise that ministry at the church take a number It's been occupied. People behind typing keyboards offer news blindly. They often plant seeds of envy and hate and jealousy and bitterness and scorn, revenge, goodness, strife, so many things. Here's what Jesus said. You want to know what Jesus said? He said, every word you speak is going to be brought into accountability. Every idle word. That's scary. It's either true or a lie. Our season of celebration of the birth of the Lamb of God should remain the subject that Jesus came. Anything else, oh, well, it can distort everything else. And I just say, if this is your last Christmas and you do not know, then let it be the one where you're spreading the news of the Lord. I don't know. Last week I buried a very good friend. A lovely man. I don't know. But I don't want you to have to spend your last few days like Karen Carpenter trying to undo things because someone gave you a word that had messed up your life. I said this during his funeral and it bears repeating today. Jack Simmons was a complicated man and he was a wonderful man and he was a boastful man. He liked wearing large, gaudy cufflinks. <laughs> One time, um, we needed tables, and he bought the tables and made everyone angry because no one had the money enough to buy them. He did. He worked and helped and then did a whole bunch of stuff around the church. His dementia set in about 11 years ago. No one gets angry if someone has leukemia. Because it's a blood disorder. It's a cancer. But no one really knows how to handle the malfunction of the human brain. So we all think, well, what's wrong with them? 
you would never say that about someone who has cervical cancer or diabetes. We just don't know how to handle when the brain is broken and the chemicals are not released or some of them are withheld. We probably need to all take a lesson in compassion, try to figure out what's going on. And uh, he had these violent rages and then bottom lows and up and down the roller coaster of his last few years until finally the dementia took over and he really didn't remember too much. In fact, I'm certain that he didn't remember me very well. In fact, the last few weeks of his life, a month, his daughter had a surgery, so she said to Tammy, can you take Jack for a week? Every day just pick him up and drop him off. And we said, of course. We had him in our house. We'd talk. I'd bring him into the living room and he'd turn to me and say, well, how's your wife doing? He had just talked to Tammy. And I would say, well, she's a lot of trouble. And he'd laugh and say, I'm not getting in trouble. <laughs> he liked a corn dog and a Coke. Went through Culver's a lot until I figured out I'm not supposed to give him Coke because he had acid reflux, but I messed him up here. He enjoyed it going down. He just didn't, wasn't happy. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Jesus, forgive me. You're done with this corn dog. You say, I'm really hungry for a corn dog. I said, Well, let's go through again. I can just go around and around. Don't, no matter me. I brought him in here. I brought him down to the front. He looked around and said, How many seats do we have in here? I just made up a number thousands. And he said, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. I forget it. That's exactly what he said. He didn't make it to his last Christmas because his last Christmas was 2022. But when I went into the hospital, I guess his daughter, everyone had stepped out. It was just me the last time I saw him. Just, I got down right in his face. And now... The voice was weak. And I said, Jack, it's pastor. I didn't know if he was lucid. I didn't know if he remembered me. I didn't know. I was almost positive that he didn't know until he asked me the question. The question that he always asked. He said, how many do we have now? I said, Jack, just one more time. Let's just ask God to clean our hearts one more time, you and me. And we prayed, oh God, forgive us and clean our hearts, Lord. We love you. And the last word I ever heard Jack Simmons say, he whispered it out, hallelujah. I got news for you here today. It's not a sad report. It's a good report. I want to spread it all over the place. Hallelujah. Jesus, you are good. Because it's always been about faith or fear. It's really just two camps, faith or fear. It will always be about goodness or decay. It's a constant report among people, churches, lives, governments, families, nations. The list is endless. It's always fear or faith. 
Because one spring, one well of water cannot bring forth both sweetness and bitterness at the same time. So either your mouth is filled with sweetness or you are bitter and you're hearing me preach, but you're still bitter. So I say today, put a new word in your mouth. If you can't say anything good, you just say, Jesus is Lord. And I'm thankful because you don't know if this is your last Christmas. I allowed ugly reports to get inside of my heart, I wouldn't be standing here today. If I received every ugly thing that people have said about me, if I read all the news clippings, I would not be here today. But I choose to bypass all of that. It's born from the enemy of my soul, and I received the simple word of God. Great news, great joy, the Lord's here. Besides, I'm not over. They didn't kill me. And I like what Mark Twain said when he wrote, the reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. I'm still standing. I'm still preaching. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But I got a news report for you. Jesus is still good to me. Hallelujah. I'm still marching on. I'm still living. I'm still giving God praise. We're still baptizing people in Jesus' name. People are still receiving the baptism. 19 people last week. People are still being healed of all kinds of things. Here's the news. This season is about redemption. It's the introduction of someone who came and they're on their journey. He's on his journey to Golgotha, the redemption of mankind. The Lamb of God came and reports, whatever they may be, just or unjust. They changed the course of nations and destinies of people because the word leads the thought. It's more than just information, ladies and gentlemen. It's more than just trivial bullet points of disposable sound bites. The spoken word, the written word, even a conversation, it can shape our mind. Do you know that words create culture? It's the management of people. It changes stock markets and money markets and industries. News can invoke feelings of joy and sadness and Our minds, our ears develop the image. We see what we hear. We paint our own picture of people based upon the report. It might be incorrect. It might be a lie. Even if it's not true, news doesn't have to be right or true or factual. It might even be argued that most news is both tainted and misleading. But when it's allowed to find soil and root in our heart, it will define us. That's why we've got to be careful. For the Magi, we hear about Christmas, those men from the east, the news of a newborn king moved them to walk, to travel. The news, the distance alone was enough for us to know how critical the birth of Jesus Christ was to them. And while tradition offers but a handful of them, it would have probably been more like a caravan of people with supplies and foods and movable makeshift tents. The news of Jesus landing landed in the east so far away but it made its journey to them and someone told them about the Lord and when they found out that there was a king they gathered up the best of what they had because news the right news will cause you to make a movement I can't say if they knew that Jesus was the incarnate God I'm not sure of that I don't know if they had the revelation of that but the reception 
drove them to honor him unlike anyone else. That they believed that Jesus was the Christ, the king. It provoked them to change their lives and their plans. They suspended their lives. They suspended what they were going to do. And they went to find him. That same news of the Lord kept Herod up at night. Same news, same Jesus, same understanding. But while the Magi knelt in awe, Herod stood in anger. Because Jesus was a threat to his throne. And do be certain, Jesus is still a threat to every man and woman who wants to set up their own kingdom. He's still not welcome among people who want to do their own thing, even church people. Even religious people have rejected him and all that he is. Oh, they just, like a cafeteria, pick apart a few things they like. So instead of a humble approach, bringing their best gift on a continual basis, they negotiate with minimal commitment. And to so many churchgoers, the Lord is just a figure, a testimony. He's a bedtime book story. But for him to be king means that he has a kingdom. And if he has a kingdom, it means he has servants and followers. We heard it from our children. If he is the king of glory, then he is the king of kings and lord of lords. If he is the soon coming king and his birth was the beginning and not the ending, then there will be an ending, ladies and gentlemen. Either for you now or when the rapture takes place. All of these are coming. And if they are all true, then something must provoke us today to change our lives. I want to plant a seed, a word in your mind. Jesus is coming and I want to be saved. The Lord is true. His word is right. It's forever settled in heaven. That's the news. Here's the news. It's not about a holiday season. I'm okay. That's fine. Put up a tree if you have to do something. Buy a present. If you need to do that, I'm sure China will appreciate it. (laughs) But there's something much better than this. You got something much better than the season. Because on the 26th and the 27th and the 28th and January 1st, and after everybody forgets their New Year's resolutions and going back to being chubby. (laughs) All right, no amens, but I know it's true. Oh. Shoot, I got to get that tapeworm. I'll tell you what's going to last. Something's going to last far beyond the season. Seasons will come and go, but the Lord's always going to be there. Let me tell you what's wonderful. The name of the Lord is wonderful. The Holy Ghost is wonderful. The revelation that Jesus has come, that's the great news of the hour. The great news is that I can be saved and that on my last moment I can speak out hallelujah to God. Please stand with me now. I have some nostalgia in me, I suppose. It's just a pattern. I have a yearning in me also for the gathering of lives and the restoration of our own souls. I'm thinking today about all of the sermons that I've preached and the words that I've given 
not thinking about how they made an impact on other people's lives, but I'm wondering what they did to me. Was the Spirit rich enough and full enough to minister to the one who spoke it? So, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And if, Father, I have something to say, let it be filtered through the knowledge that you forgave me and healed me and restored me. And then let it minister grace unto the hearers. Amen. Just where you're standing, let's do it one more time. Forgive me, Lord. Clean my heart, Lord. I don't know what time I have, how long this window is going to be open. Do something in my heart, Lord. You've got to talk to him for yourself. I can't talk to him for you. Not another New Year's resolution, but I'm making a commitment to the king The angels declared him, Lord, let me declare you through the way I live every day. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, my strength. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. We have a few moments here. I, I'm just inviting you to respond to the word in whatever fashion you feel. But you need to talk to Jesus today. No matter where you're standing or sitting, you've got to talk to Jesus today. Some good news has come to your life. You've got to at least say thank you. You've got to change something today. You've got to make a strong commitment today. This is it's critical for whatever you do in your life. If this is your last Christmas, you ought to speak some words to the Lord. Because whatever you say could be, could be the words that last for eternity. Come on, just lift up your voices and your hearts and open up your lives. And come on, get real with him. Get real with Jesus today. Stop thinking about positions and ambitions and gain. Come help me. Come help me sing. Come on, everybody, everybody.
Yes, say. Your goodness is running out. It's running out to me. Your goodness is running out. It's running out to me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running out. It's running out to me. Come on, say your goodness. Your goodness is running out. It's running out to me. Your goodness is running out. Your goodness is running out. It's running out to me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running out. It's running out. Come on, say that again. Your goodness is running now. Your goodness is running now. It's running now. Is running Your after me. This is running out. It's running out to me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running out. It's running out. Come on, just lift up your hand and wave it to the Lord. I need you. I need you, Lord. I'm calling on you, Lord. Here I am today, Lord. Bless me and keep me, Lord. Keep my heart, Lord. Keep my mouth from speaking evil, Lord, and from guile. And Lord, let me be saved, Lord. I receive your word, your unfettered word, Lord, that you love me and that I must be saved, Lord. Help me to follow the, the path of obedience today, Lord Jesus. I thank you for it. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for it, Lord. Your goodness, your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Your goodness is running. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. With my life. Amen, amen. Yes, close your eyes right now. Close them, close them. I love you. I need you. I need you. Search me, Lord. Try me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord Jesus. Help me, Lord Jesus. So many reports, so many things to be said and heard, Lord. Help me to guard my heart, Lord. Help me to guard it, Lord. Let me speak something, Lord, that's uplifting and wonderful and beautiful, Lord. Let me plant seeds, Lord, of your goodness. Help me be a walking billboard, Lord, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The apostolic faith. 
this incredible born-again experience that you told us about, Lord. We want to be born again of the water and the spirit, Lord. I pray that everybody can experience the baptism of the water and the spirit like you said, Jesus. I pray for the whole church corporate body, Lord Jesus, that we would be like the early church. Help us to recover, Lord, what's been lost in the modern age, Lord. Help us to be a great moving force, to be a witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And instead of repeating all the garbage and all the junk of the world, help us just to repeat your word, your precious life-saving book, Lord. Let the testimonies of the saints go out of this house. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let the testimony of the saint, in Jesus' name, amen.